0: Hello hello everybody welcome to another episode of No Effort Human. No Effort Human. I'm really excited to be on the show today because we have a guest and we're going to talk to our guest all about how flow has shown up in her life and some big decisions she made uh, in the trying to find the flow in her life and her process getting to that. I think that's going to be absolutely fascinating because um, all of us are out there trying to make big decisions in our life. We want to figure out what we're trying to do with our careers. And we have a really great story for you. And if you read the description of the show, maybe you have a clue. But I'm very happy to introduce today, Ashling Query. Hello, Ashling.
1: Hello, David. Hi.
0: Hi. And she she was or is, we're going to find out, a medical doctor in the UK and, but her life is taking on a new direction. And why don't you just give us a brief, give us a brief intro about yourself, Ashling, and you know, what is going on for you right now, really present for you right now. And then we'll backtrack and figure out, Ooh, what's the interesting path you took to get there?
1: Hmm. Okay. Thank you so much, David, for having me on the show. This is my first ever podcast, so I'm very excited. Wow, that's uh, great. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So I am a medical doctor. I'm a family doctor, a family physician, GP, we call it in the UK, general practitioner. And I have um, been qualified as a GP for about three and a half years and I've been on a really exciting, amazing journey over the last almost three years, um, which I can describe as being um, a journey from head to heart, let's say, or from nice. yeah, from stuckness to flow. And I feel that in medicine we come very much from our heads. It's an environment that really encourages that. It's a very Medicine is a science and it's very logical and it's very, um, you know, lots of uh, facts to learn and very technical. So it's a very uh, yeah, head based world, I would say. And so in my career over the last and my personal life over the last three and a half years, I've gone from a very head logical place where I felt quite stuck, actually, to a much more heart based kind of place and it's been it's been a huge journey and it's been painful at times and difficult and also wonderful and in uh, November of last year so just a few months ago I made a big decision to quit my job um, wow. and it, yeah and it was a decision that came from my body and from my heart and it was the first decision I, the first big decision I think that I've made from my completely from my body um, and well no that's not true and um, I had made a few decisions before that like a few practice runs let's say uh, and but this was the first major decision in my career that I'd made from my body and my heart uh, so now I'm on a quite it feels like quite a different path Um I'm still doing some work as a as a doctor so I feel I'm in a, in a space between stories Um and I am, yeah, so I'm still doing some locum work, we call it. So some kind of part-time work uh, to earn money. Uh, It's one of the great things about medicine is that uh, we can pick up work quite easily. So I'm doing some part-time work in a a homeless practice, a practice for homeless people. And that's going to tide me over while I work out what the next stage is. Uh, And I'm very interested in psychedelics. um, And it looks like what is happening Uh, because I haven't really directed this, is uh, that I am becoming, um, let's say, training to be a facilitator of psychedelic retreats in Holland. Uh, And this is something that's emerged. Yeah. So it's something that's emerged in the last couple of months. And it's something that I feel I have been completely flowing with. And it's something that... um, I would say in my career, I've always pushed very hard and worked very hard with an aim towards something. And this has totally surprised me because it's something that has just emerged out of, out of, I don't know where. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Out of where you don't know where, well, maybe the Dow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe. If any of us know what that is, but that's, this is so great. I mean, I have so many questions, of course. I want to hear all about this. This journey from Head to the Heart, that's my life journey too. That's yeah. the big things I've had to learn in my life, and it's so amazing to hear you describe it like that, you know so succinctly. I think that's such a great, great way to describe what can happen when we really start to explore these deeper parts of us is we we realize where our thinking got us, you know, and we see that our thinking got us in a place that actually we're not happy, we're not happy mm-hmm. and so we gotta. We start to look for other sources of information, and we find out that our heart has a lot of interesting things to say that we were not listening to. But I don't want to jump ahead and fill in your story. I want to hear your story because, because I mean, you were, you were, you know, you have, you were a doctor, you know, mm-hmm. and I mean, you're still a doctor, but I mean, you were, you had a, a traditional doctor job. It sounds like, you know, mm-hmm. so what you were a GP. So you were working in a hospital. You had a private practice, or what was that?
1: Uh, no, so I was working in the community in a clinic.
0: At a clinic. Okay. At a Mm -hmm. clinic, people came to see you. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you, you were like, you know, successful, and I'm not saying like, you're not now, right? you mm-hmm. know, you're still, but, but like, you know, you, you were, you had like uh, an image, you know, the image, a lot of people try to get to, you know, like, Oh, she's, she's a doctor. She made it, you know, look mm-hmm. how she, look how hard she worked. You know, she's got a great job, something that is like serving society. She's making good money. I would assume, I don't know, uh, you know, yeah. what, what GPs yeah. make in the in mm-hmm. UK, you know? So, uh, you know, she's, she's set, she did it, she did it, but it obviously was not something was wrong you know, something, something wasn't working. So can you, can you go through like, you know, how did you start to, you know, you said you always push yourself, you worked really hard. So when you got that, you know, made it to that, I'm a doctor now, did it feel like the, first of all, this is my first question. Did it feel like the success you'd always been working toward? Uh,
1: yes and no. Um, so I didn't go to medical school until I was 29. Um, actually i i need to backtrack a little bit that's not completely true i went to your, i went to medical school when i was 19 um and i i had a feeling when i was a teenager that i wanted to be a doctor and i got good grades in uh, in school and i um I, I can say a little bit that I, I felt that I wasn't ready to go to medical school when I was a teenager. And I remember being brought in really clearly been brought into the office by my parents and the careers teacher and saying, you've got good grades. You've got to go to medical school. So I did. And I, and I was my kind of instinct was right. I wasn't ready. So I went for a year and then I left. And then I had a kind of 10 years of quite, um, I would say, <clears throat> kind of chaotic 10 years in my 20s. And I I moved around a lot and I remember counting up the number of different jobs I had throughout my twenties and it was like twenty-six different jobs. Oh, wow. I worked in yeah, I worked in factories and hotels and bars and care work and did all sorts of stuff. And what I realized in hindsight was that I was pushing. I would I you know, I wasn't happy. And I would push towards something and I would achieve it. And then I would think, no, actually, I'm still not happy. It must be the job or it must be the country. So I lived in about lots and lots of different countries and different continents. So I would get to that point and then I think, right, so I'll change my job and I'll change where I live. So I would do that. And I would, you know, that would take a bit of time. And then I would arrive at a new place and a new job and I would get into that. And then I would think, no, actually, there's still something not quite right. And then I would change again. And and I've I've since learned there's a term. I met a guy who's in recovery who's done the twelve steps, and I was telling him this story, and he said, "Oh, we've got a name for you, geographicals." So I was like, "A geographical." These are people who move around in search for happiness without realizing that the happiness they seek is in the in the inside, you know? Yeah. So so I was kind of avoiding myself, moving around all over the place, and still still couldn't work out why am I not why am I not happy? Why I wasn't really unhappy. Well, there were times when I was really unhappy, actually. And I just felt quite stuck and I didn't know what to change. And eventually, you know, there was this little voice inside me, a very soft voice that that kept nagging at me, you know, go to medical school, go to medical school. And I thought, you know, I've done that already. I've missed out. I'm not going to get a chance to go back. And the opportunity came to go back. So I applied and I got in and I was like, right, this is it. This is what's going to this this is why I was unhappy this is going to be what what fulfills me and I had 10 years and what, what was really good about medical school was I was rooted it forced me to be rooted to one spot so I couldn't wow. keep moving around in the way that I'd done so I was rooted to one spot and I worked hard and it's very goal orientated and it's very much the ending you know for me it was all about the ending Once I finish this exam, once I get through this exam, once I do this hospital placement, you know, medicine is very, the training is very goal oriented. There's always a hurdle to get over and, you know, at some point in the future. Mm. So I jumped through all of these hurdles and I, you know, the end will be worth it. And I worked hard and I pushed and I did all of that. And then it was just over. So it was three and a half years ago and I had done it and I'd qualified. And like you said, I became a GP, which is a very, you know, I got a job in a very prestigious practice in the city where I live. And I was earning good money and I had reached this, you know, the status of being a family doctor. And and I thought, brilliant. And, you know, for the first month or so, I thought, great. This is it. it." Yeah. Yeah. The first month or so. And then. And then it came back. I was like, shit, I've still got this feeling of not being satisfied and not being happy. And I was convinced that staying in the same place and having this prestigious job, that that that, that would be it. And it wasn't. And I realized that the ending was not what I thought it was going to be. And I felt it really stuck. I felt so stuck. I didn't know what to change. I felt like I'd changed everything that I could on the outside. And And there was nothing left to change. I didn't know where to go from there. And I felt, um, you know, I was finding consultations more difficult. I was finding the job quite stressful. I felt I was working in a very deprived area with lots of, you know, patients with problems with addictions and mental health issues and social problems and lots of pathology, lots of ill health. And I felt I was absorbing a lot of what was coming in. And I've struggled in my life with a lot of jaw tension. So my jaw was getting, and and this for me, I didn't know at the time, but this for me was literally gritting my teeth and getting on with it. You know, that was mm. the story of my life, pushing, gritting my teeth. So my jaw was getting tighter and tighter. And I would get headaches in the afternoon, in the middle of a, you know, surgery after consulting all day. And I would feel really exhausted. I've always had insomnia my whole life, which now I sleep through the night as part of the result of my journey. But yeah. Oh, wow. um, yeah, I'd always had insomnia and it was something that was normal for me. So my sleep was deteriorating and I was really starting to feel like I can't do this for the rest of my life. What am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do? And and I didn't know. And I remember at the time, you know, it's funny how our what what I've learned since is our, it's how our subconscious processes drive so strongly what we do in our life without us even being aware. Oh, yeah and one of my subconscious stories was you know i'm i'm alone i'm on my own i felt very disconnected from the world around me i felt very isolated um and that was part of the moving around as well was trying to find some sense of belonging and i i wasn't eating very well either i wasn't a, a part of that story i think well i know was um you know i'm on my own i don't des- i don't deserve to cook a beautiful meal for myself you know that's something you do in company so i was just eating a lot of rubbish food and I started getting really constipated. So I felt like my body was stuck and I was stuck and my life was stuck. And and that's that was the moment really of transformation for me. So I know for some people it's being in a very dark place and being depressed. And for some people it's being anxious. And, you know, it's lots of different things for different people. For me, it was being completely and utterly stuck and just not knowing where to go or what to do with that. And experiencing a lot of anxiety, which at the time I didn't identify as anxiety, but the jaw tension, the insomnia, I would get a lot of stuff in my chest, a lot of palpitations and a lot of chest tightness. And, um, and, and that was the point of transformation for me. Yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. So much in there. First of all, this, this term, I, I have a new term, a new term. I didn't realize, you know, the geographicals,
1: yeah, you know, I haven't quite heard
0: that before, <laughs> but I really like uh, a lot of the work of the 12 step program, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, yeah. and, um, and, you know, uh, Russell Brandt, he, you know, I'm a fan of his he, and he talks quite eloquently about, you know, how it's, uh, how powerful it is and how it connects with spirituality, which is something I'm really interested in, but, yeah, me too. but and so it sounds like they have this you know, uh, this term for people who are just moving around, changing their circumstances, you know, right. their locations, their job, changing mm-hmm. their circumstances, constantly trying to find that sense of peace and happiness. And, um, and, you know, and we know, we know that it, that does now, and, you know, you know, in hindsight now, but I feel like all of us, all of us try that. Yeah. You know, all of us try that in some extent, to some extent when we're starting out, you know, I did that in my twenties, you know, I, I, It was like every couple of years I was changing jobs, you know, to trying to like figure out what was, you ended up going to business school, you know, and that was another two year journey. And then afterward, another job for like three years, you know, so you're Mm -hmm. constantly trying to find, you are, you you think the circumstances are what you need to be happy. So you're constantly trying to change them. And this is, you know, I mean, just for listeners out there, this is your mind's normal way to try to solve problems it thinks it needs to readjust the chess pieces on the outside you know it thinks it needs to play with the circumstances on the surface you know like moving around you know pieces of moving around cups on a table you know that's what that's how it thinks it wants to solve problems and and what you found for 10 years of that Mm. you found like this isn't helping me and then you reconnected with a desire you had from earlier in your life. So I actually liked that part a lot. You know, you, you had a sense when you were a teenager, you know, you wanted to go to medical school. So you reconnected with that desire. And I mean, I can't imagine the work you put mm. in, in that mm. education. I mean, how, how long is the medical, edu- medical school education?
1: Well, from, from the start of, of going to medical school to the end of actually qualifying as a, as a GP was 10 years.
0: Ten so years, was,
1: yeah. So it was four years of medical school and then it was, you know, two years of junior doctor training and then it was postgraduate training after that.
0: So you spent so, another 10 years. Yeah. Well, you went to medical school at, <laughs> at 29 and you spent yeah. another 10 years w- like working with a very specific goal. And you were like, no, this is this is actually what is yeah. going to work out for me. And and if you listen to if we listen to society, I mean, you did you did everything right. You know, yeah. you you like you focused on something, you had a goal, you worked really hard, you know, you, you stuck it out. I mean, 10 years of of training to qualify and then you got into a prestigious practice, you know, in the in the city where you live. I mean, this is this is, you, you did what we're taught we're supposed to do, you know, after mm-hmm. your 10 years of searching, all these outseas things outside yourself, then you spent 10 years doing what society tells us make success. And you got there. And then it's very quickly, you started to notice, oh my God, that uneasy feeling, that lack of satisfaction and fulfillment, it's still there. And, yeah. and, and you notice things in your body, you yeah. know, now at the, at the time, it sounds like, you know, the insomnia is normal for me. You know, the jaw tension. Maybe I've always suffered from that. Oh, you know, my digestive system is not working. It's probably the food that Mm -hmm. I'm eating, you know. But so, so, you know, what was, because a lot of us, a lot of us, you know, we we explain away physical symptoms like this from a very logical, from a very rational perspective, because our brain is trying to, you know, our brain is scared to go into our actual feelings and emotions to go underneath. So we often explain away physical symptoms. I mean, did you find your, right, I'll have to edit that <laughs> out. My whole facility oh. collapsed. I just had, I just had a, a furniture collapse in my, in my situation. Maybe we won't edit it. Let's continue. I don't know how loud that was on the podcast.
1: But now, uh, <laughs> okay, so maybe
0: that was like, you know, that was the Dow being like, truth, truth. This yeah. is a good, yeah, good yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the question yeah. was, um, what, you know, what was your, when you were feeling all these things in your body, did you realize at first, oh, these are signals that like, I mean, cause you talked about it in retrospect, like, oh, yeah. these were, these are signals that were not, that, were, that showed me something was wrong, like with, with how, with my decision, something was wrong with my approach, something yeah. was wrong with like my whole mental, emotional situation. But at the time, you know, were you seeing it that way? Or at the time, were you like, mm-hmm. no, these are just uh, physical things I need to fix, you know, what, it, how, what was that like?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question, because as a doctor, I am really interested in this. And uh, as a doctor also, we still as a medical profession have not um, have not, let me say, appreciated the mind body connection. And of course, I get patients coming to me all the time with all sorts of symptoms so for me um for me I feel that the body is the you know if you think everything's going okay in your life and your body is telling you differently then it's it's your body that that is right you know so at the time I it's amazing how much we normalize our own experience even if our experience um isn't I mean what is normal anyway but even if our experience is difficult I just thought well maybe it's normal not to sleep I mean lots of people don't sleep maybe it's normal to have jaw tension I mean you know I had braces when I was a kid maybe maybe it's from that um you know maybe it's normal to have these palpitations when I mean you know that that's kind of so I've, I've managed to kind of um to explain it all away in my head and I was also pretty disconnected from my body so I feel like I I wasn't I don't know like I wasn't in tune so much with what was going wrong and really interestingly I feel that the more we ignore our body the louder it screams at us to make a change so mm. in, initially when I was in medical school when I was 19 and I was so miserable and I felt that this was just the wrong place for me to be and I was very conflicted because you know to drop out of medical school is like a really big deal, and I was so unhappy, and I was forcing myself to go into lectures, and I was forcing myself to turn up at you know these exams and everything, and I was so unhappy, and what happened in the end was my periods stopped for a year, just oh, wow, stopped. yeah, no explanation. No reason they just stopped, and I was like, "Okay, wow, this is you know there's something really wrong here and I remember going to the doctor, and the doctor was like, "Oh, I don't know, everything seems normal and I left in the end i had to I really felt I had to leave, I was so unhappy, and my periods came back, and for me, now, in hindsight, that was a huge message from my body um and so with all the the jaw tension and all of that stuff, yeah. I managed to just normal to kind of make it normal. And then what happened is my body, because I wasn't listening, just started screaming at me louder, essentially, is how I see it. And uh, my insomnia became worse, and the jaw tension became worse, and the palpitations became worse. And it got to the point where I just physically was uncomfortable and I had to do something. Mm-hmm. And I now see so clearly uh, for me, this mind body connection is so fascinating. And patients will come in to me. And they'll say, you know, I mean, there's a huge number. I, You know, part of the reason that I quit my job as, as a doctor is because I realize that 80% of what we're seeing is emotional, emotional problems, emotional suppression, mind-body disconnection, um, poverty, uh, um, lifestyle, you know, lifestyle things. And that's about 80% of what we're seeing. But we are denying the mind-body connection and we're medicating the pharmaceuticals. And for me, that makes no sense. And I was finding it more and more difficult to work within that system. So lots of my patients come in with um, you know, heartburn and tummy cramps and headaches and uh, all sort joint pain and like all sorts of things that has no official medical explanation. And then I'll ask them about their life and they'll tell me, well, I just lost my job or my son took his own life or you know, my marriage is breaking up or this is happening and that is happening. And I say to them, wow, you're under a lot of stress. And they say to me, almost always, they say to me, oh, no, but I'm fine. In my head, I'm fine. And they haven't made that link. And I'll say to them, "Okay, consciously in your conscious mind, you feel you're fine. Your body disagrees. Your body is not fine. That's why you're here. And often there's a a pause and they go well, what do you mean and I'll repeat back their story to them and I'll say all of this stuff is happening in your life it's causing enormous stress and you've told me all of this stuff is happening in your body do you think your body is trying to say something do you think your body's trying to communicate something and slowly they start to get it and this is something as doctors we don't get you know so I was a qualified doctor and my I was having all of this stuff in my body and I still wasn't able to make the link and when I made the link was when I went on my, so my kind of real awakening was when I I went on a psychedelic retreat and that for me was, probably, I mean, there's lots of different ways for us to get to, you know, a point of transformation and people use yoga and meditation and all sorts of things. For me, I would have described myself as a scientist and an atheist. I was not spiritual. I, I had, you know, I, I was quite kind of almost frightened of spirituality. Now I have a spiritual practice, so that's completely changed. I'm really interested in spirituality and I actually think it's really important for our health. Um, So I was very closed off to anything spiritual and I was very much science-based and I I didn't understand emotions and I didn't understand the mind-body connection. So for me, it needed something quite dramatic because a psychedelic experience is something quite dramatic. and, And it needed that for me to really wake up and to realize. And what happened in that psychedelic retreat was incredible. I mean, how I ended up going was kind of incredible. It was like a few little coincidences that just sort of happened. And suddenly I find myself at this retreat, not really knowing why I was there. And just with the idea I'm stuck and I need help. That was, it was very vague. I didn't really know where the stuckness was coming from. And what I experienced in that retreat was a real embodied Um, experience particularly of the palpitations and the stuckness in my chest and I experienced that as like a rock or granite or uh, coal like a dark really tough substance around my heart That's how I visualized it. And and it was very overwhelming and it was really uncomfortable. So what, what psychedelics do is they amplify anything that's going on in our lives and in our bodies. So rather than diminishing, which is what we try to do as doctors, make everything go away, it amplifies it and brings it all to the surface. So these palpitations in my chest became much stronger. I felt really sick. I was stuck in this horrible loop of kind of nausea. And I had to learn to be with that. And I realised that I had spent all of my life pushing away uncomfortable feelings. And this is kind of the story of my childhood is is uncomfortable feelings not being given space. So I had been pushing away uncomfortable feelings. And that psychedelic retreat forced me to sit with this huge discomfort. And I visualised it as this kind of rock. And then I when I was able and then I had a huge emotional release I had a huge cry and the stuckness and that rocky granite feeling kind of uh, settled a little bit and then it came back really strongly and then I realized that I had to be with it and I had to breathe through it so as I breathed into the and it was hard work I was breathing breathing trying to tolerate this nausea and this stuckness and with every breath I could see and I could visualize this kind of rock been chipped away slowly, slowly, slowly. And what I had this, I had this huge realization of that stuckness and these physical symptoms in my body are stuck emotions. And that sounds maybe really obvious and it's kind of really obvious to me in hindsight, but I had not even put those two things together. And as I stayed with the emotion and breathed through it and just accepted it, it started to, you know, chipping away, chipping away at this rock. And then at the end, I remember these little chinks of light coming out of this rock. And then eventually the rock just kind of exploded. And then my body was just full of this joy and light and flow and felt amazing and felt connected to everything around me and the isolation, the loneliness was gone. And it felt like this was my true essence. And that first psychedelic trip was really a summary of my journey since then which has been gone from stuckness and the hard work and accepting those feelings and moving through them to a place of flow. And it, and, I, and I lived it all in one night in one psychedelic retreat. So it was it was astonishing and incredible. And um, it opened my eyes to lots of different things. And I feel that our bodies now hold enormous wisdom and now if I have, I mean, I still do get some jaw tension. I sleep through the night, my palpitations, my anxiety, all of that stuff has gone over, you know, it took a lot of work and, a, and you know, a period of a few years for that to happen. But now when I get uncomfortable feelings in my body, I welcome them and I sit with them and I say, "What, what is this trying to tell me? What wisdom is there here for me to learn? And that is a um, completely different place from where I was where if I had something uncomfortable in my body, I would go, "Oh, that's uncomfortable," and try and make it go away. Grit my teeth even stronger, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Wow, you had a huge healing, and what kind of psychedelic was it?
1: Um. So that was ayahuasca. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm also and-
0: familiar with that that particular one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, I'm a big fan of, uh, of course everything can be abused, you know, but I've just heard so many amazing stories of, uh, of healing, uh, you know, through some of these plant, these plant medicines and uh, experienced Mm -hmm. it myself multiple times. So, you know, this, I love that you actually had a, you actually could see, Mm
1: -hmm. you know, you
0: actually had like a, a visualization of how, the stuck emotion became a physical problem and how working on the emotional level cleared the physical level like that, you know, I I don't think you said, you know, maybe it's obvious that the physical symptoms you were having in your body were stuck emotions, but I don't think that's obvious. It's definitely not like from society's perspective, we're still not there. You know, Hmm. I mean, I feel like most of my work is still convincing people that that's the case. You know, Mm. that like the, that, that, you know, we we have this like kind of, we have this term, you know, that we kind of use as a negative, like to make fun of people, like psychosomatic, you know, like, oh, your symptom is just psychosomatic. You know, it Mm. means like it's in your, it's in your head, you know, you're, you're causing it through some type of like mental or emotional process. But that's every, you know, like 99% of physical problems people show up with are based on our mental and emotional situation, you know, awesome. and, and you as a, as a doctor seeing that, you know, being trained in a very Western approach and then seeing that over and over again in your patients mm-hmm. and experiencing that firsthand. I mean, that must have been quite like, you know, I mean, what's that like to be working with one paradigm for so long, you know, mm-hmm. training 10 years in one paradigm. And then like all of a sudden, oh, oh shit. I think there's something else that's actually more true. What's that like?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it was a slow realization, uh, which made it easier Mm. to, to take on board. And I feel that because it was happening in my own life, it was like my own personal journey was mirroring what was going on in my work. So as I became more and more aware of my own emotions and how to heal those and how they were healing, what was going on physically in my body. And I was I was really experiencing this in a very personal way. Um, and then I was bringing that into my work and I started talking much more to patients about their childhoods and about, about their emotions and about the meaning of, the, of what was going on in their bodies for them. And I saw extraordinary transformations without pharmaceuticals, like wow. extraordinary. And because I had that, it was almost like this evidence, you know, patients would come back and they would say, I started saying no. You know, that, that's a big one that I see, especially amongst, let's say, middle-aged yes. women in their 50s who are carers for elderly parents and also work full time and maybe have children or grandchildren that they're looking after. They have this huge burden on them from all sorts of areas in their life and they can't say no. And that's something that's very common and it's something that stems from us not feeling that we have value Deep down, it's one of these unconscious patterns that we have so that we say yes to everything. We want approval and we want love. So we say yes to everything at the detriment to our own health. And these women come in and they have things like fibromyalgia, which is, you know, sort of all over body pain and difficulty sleeping. They'll have joint pain. They'll have chronic fatigue syndrome. They'll have migraines. They'll have gastritis. You know, it goes on and on and on. And they'll come in with all of these symptoms. They usually feel pretty low. And, you know, I go through a quick process of ruling out something that's really kind of physical that I can do something about. And almost always there isn't anything there. And then I'll say, tell me about your life. And they'll tell me about all the people that they're caring for and looking after. And then I'll say, let me ask you something. How easy is it for you to say no? And almost always they'll say, I've never said no in my life. Mm. And I'll ask them, I'll say, can you remember the last time you said no to anything? And they'll say, no. I, oh, I say yes to everything because I feel guilty and because I feel ashamed and because, you know, and we'll have a chat about that and then I send them away and I say, what I want you to do is I want you to start saying no and almost always say, I can't do that. That's too difficult for me. I'll feel guilty. I'll feel I'm letting people down. And I say, so practice. So you do it in little ways. Start saying no to milk in your tea or start saying no to... You know, when somebody, I don't know, asks you for something small in a shop or like whatever it is in little areas of your life, start saying no. And then you can practice and it gets easier. And then you start saying no to bigger things. And then I had one woman who came back and she said, I did what you said. And I started saying no. And then one of the big things for her was she had a friend who had some young children and she was very involved in looking after these children all the time. And she didn't really want to. Her friend was having some difficulties in her life. And she said, and, my, and she said, Ashling, last week, my friend asked me to look after her children. And I said, no. And I said, and how, how did that feel? And she said, it felt terrifying and it felt liberating and it felt amazing. And I said, and how are your headaches? And she said, my headaches started to go away. And she, <laughs> and she continued to get better and she continued to flourish and she continued to say no. And she came back to me and she shared these stories of saying no. And I kind of celebrated that with her. And, you know, it was a huge transformation, so that was me in my new story of what I was doing with patients. So what would I've done before? I would have given her painkillers for her headache. I would have given her something for her stomach. I would have uh maybe sent her to the pain clinic to get more painkillers or whatever it was, you know, but the root cause for her was this saying no and valuing herself. And I've had I've had endless consultations like that with patients where where patients have real people have realized that what's going on in their body is because of some unconscious process that's driving behaviors in their life that are making them sick. Yeah. You know? And another common one is is not being able to cry and that was me. I really struggled to cry. I had so much shame about crying. Mm. And I was ter- terrified of it. And I remember we had a session about 2 years ago. Yeah an emotional kind of, you know, coaching session. And that was extraordinary for me because I felt so uncomfortable doing that. And now that I, I mean, I cry now on a regular basis and I do your emotional kind of technique, which I love. Nice. And yeah, and I've taught it to a few other doctors. Um, And uh, and now I view crying as an intervention, Mm. you know. In my room, crying, it's like writing a prescription for me. And what I do is because, you know, patients will sit and they'll have, and, you know, we dig in a bit and they start to into their story and then they start, and I can see the tears coming and I can see them swallowing them down, especially with men, and they feel really ashamed. And I give them a tissue and I say, tears are really welcome here. And they just, you know, often, they just have this big emotional release and I'll sit with them and I don't feel uncomfortable with it. Mm. And I know that this is really important and this is really healing for them. And then once they are finished, I'll ask them, is there anything, you know, is there anything that, you any thoughts that are coming to you or any feelings? And sometimes they have big insights into their life, actually. And they'll say, I've re- I've realized that this relationship is not good for me, or I've realized that what I'm doing with, you know, eating all this crap food is not good, well, they'll have some kind of insight that they can take away. And for me, that has got me out of prescribing so many times. I've had patients come in wanting sleeping tablets, wanting antidepressants, and actually they sit and have a really big cry witnessed by me. And they leave and they they leave without the tablets because that's what they needed. They needed to get in touch with that bit of emotional stuckness and let it out. So I was just having these extraordinary experiences with patients and kind of going, Wow, this is what we need to be doing. Why are we prescribing pharmaceuticals when eighty percent of the time they're not needed? um oh,
0: I'm yeah, chills. So. I feel like you i feel like you and your journey i mean you're you you're like a you're like a real healer now you yeah, know? I feel like you you're not just trying to put band aids on things you yeah. know you're not just treating people's symptoms like so much of the western medical establishment is doing. you know you're like you are actually helping people heal yeah. using their own natural healing capacities. One of them, which is crying. I, I remember, you mm. know, so many people have the shame of crying and I'm glad you brought up that session. You know, I mean, if you're, you remember, can we talk about, is it okay if we talk about that session? Yeah, that? Absolutely. yeah, yeah. You know, you were, you were getting interested, you were working with Uh, you actually had, you know, you had a coach at the time, right? Mm. So, and you, you were, you were learning through, through coaching, maybe how to get beneath some of these, um, get get to the source of some of these unconscious patterns you were having, right? Mm. So this is just one thing I want to, I want to say, you know, to people is that like part of the reason we sometimes get so stuck in our own unconscious patterns is because they are unconscious to us. So sometimes literally one of the best things you can do is just go work with someone else just so they can help you see, you know, what's going on, you know, I mean, it's, these patients that are coming to you, would any of them choose, you know, consciously, would they choose to have all these physical problems? Like, no, of course not. There's something going on that's being hidden from them, you know, Hmm. in, in like, that's, that's making it difficult for them to see the connection between their body, their emotions and their, you know, Hmm. how they're operating in their life. And, and that thing that's making it difficult is our unconscious process. So, you know, when you, when you work with someone else, they don't have, you know, they, they're looking at you with just their own consciousness, not their, you know, they're not stuck in your unconscious. So it helps. Anyway, you were working with somebody and then, uh, and he's, he's a friend of mine, his name, yeah. can I say Chris Hardy? Yeah. Yeah, PC, yeah. 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 And, uh, he's a great guy and uh, you're working with him. And then, um, you, we decided to do a session together and, uh, to do, and I remember you came, you were a little bit nervous about it. We talked, my memory of the session, you tell me where I'm wrong, but we, we talked for maybe like five, 10 minutes. And then you you cried. This was like an online, we were, you know, video chatting. And <laughs> I you, remember. you cried for like 90 minutes. Yeah. And I was so proud. I was so proud of you. I mean, cause I knew that it was a challenge. I remember, you know, one of the, I was like, I had like a, I had like a shaker. You know, so I was I was trying to make this sound that would like help turn off your mind, you know, and I was trying to make I was trying to make like a I was trying to do something so you didn't think I was like, you know, just like watching you, you know what I mean? But there there's something about that, you know. Just witnessing someone these emotions in someone else, just the presence, yeah. just holding yeah. the presence. I mean, we weren't talking. I wasn't trying to tell you, I wasn't trying to say to you, like, well, what do you think this is? Like, do you do you have a memory you want to describe? Right. Like there wasn't a, there. it wasn't like a, you know, you, maybe how a traditional therapy session would look like. Right. You were mm. just you just needed to release these things. You know, I yeah. mean, that's my memory of it. And mm. and and, you know, it's a, it was ner- I was a little bit nervous because, you know, this was your first time doing that kind of thing you cried for like 90 minutes and then I was like, you know, I'm thinking like, she's going to just hate me. Like what, you know, like, this is like, this is, this is like, what do you, you know, I have a session. I just make, make her cry for 90 minutes. But then at the end you were like, no, I feel, actually feel, I actually feel quite good. you like, that was my, that was my memory. But what was your memory of that? Because that actual process, that actual time you spent doing that was a big healing moment. And I would love other people to hear what that's yeah. like from inside.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I worked with Chris Hardy. I worked with him for two and a half years. And that was an incredible experience. I think he's a really gifted coach. And for me, that was huge in lots of ways. It was being on the other side of, uh, you know, like the doctor-patient relationship. I'm always the one kind of helping the other person. And to put myself into a position where I am asking for help uh, was a really, really big deal. And I, I had to be very vulnerable. And that was hard. And Chris made that a lot easier. And then he, you know, I was doing some crying with him, but I felt like it was just coming out in little bits, you know, little squeeze, squeezing out a few bits of tears. And he put me in touch with you and I had so much shame about crying. And it seems now like that is kind of extraordinary. I mean, I'll share with you, maybe maybe after this, but when I when I um, first cried, I first cried in a consultation actually last week and oh, wow. Yeah. And that's something that we're told like you absolutely must not do as a doctor. It's really unprofessional. And actually, I think it was fine. But anyway, so now, <laughs> I can, now I can cry. Now I cry all the time. And it's part of our body's natural healing process is to cry. It's letting out stress and tension and it's really healing and it's really helpful. But at that time, it was I mean, I, I can remember I, I, I honestly I could have counted in one hand when I'd cried in my life. Mm. I remember when my grandfather died when I was 15, crying, but it was in my room at night under the covers. I couldn't show anybody that I was Mm. crying. Mm. And that's my grandfather dying, you know, like I was ashamed to cry at that. And I remember my grandmother died 10 years ago and I had a few little tears then. And then I can remember a breakup of a relationship and I had a cry then. And then maybe two other times in my entire life, you know, Mm. it was such a shameful thing. So I think you made it very easy because you're just like, yeah, I remember you saying something like, oh, my job is to make people cry. And that was quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I think once I, do you know how it was, was once I started, once the tears came, I remember you said, oh, look, you've cried and the world hasn't ended. And that's kind of how it felt. Like if I cry, something's going to happen. Like the world is going to end or I'm going to be so full of shame that I'll not be able to like see anybody ever again you know it's yeah. an extra, shame is an extraordinarily powerful thing yeah and i see it a lot in addictions because i work a lot with heroin users and there's a huge amount of shame and so i i experienced that shame of not being able to cry but it was almost like once the tears came it was like my body was just like oh thank god you know and it just kept coming and then i couldn't stop it and then i was like well i'm kind of in the flow so i might as well <laughs> just I might as well just keep going and my body kind of took over you know and but now I have learned to kind of witness it for myself and to do this emotional technique that you that I learned from you, which is, you know, I set the, the timer for 15 minutes on my on my uh, phone and I do this breathing, this kind of deep abdominal breathing and let whatever emotion comes. And I've really learned to separate my head from the emotions mm-hmm. and just let the emotions come and not question them. You know, it's probably too complicated for my mind to understand anyway. Just let it come and then it goes. And it needed to come out, and that's it. And it's like mm. and it's really um it's really yeah, it's so powerful and it's so important and it's something that we don't learn as doctors, it's something that we're terrified of. And when you talked about me now being a healer, I feel like I am now more of a healer and I learned a lot about healing. I went to Peru last wow. year. Okay. Yeah, so I went to Peru for three weeks and I went to the Temple of the Way of Light, which is a Uh, plant medicine healing center in the middle of the Amazon and we worked and it was a really interesting group I was with a group of 22 others and we were all let's say healers in in the west so it was doctors psychiatrists psychologists some coaches you know people in healing kind of roles Um, and we worked with these medicals and medicals means doctor and these are traditional Amazonian healers who work with plant medicines and when they came when we came to the jungle um, they they you know they 're used to working with lots of Westerners you know come into the temple with various kind of physical and mental health problems or whatever come in looking for healing and they describe it 's really interesting they describe Westerners as having from their point of view end stage heart failure from an emotional point of view. Hmm. they say westerners, you come and you 've got end stage heart failure, and we see it, and we think oh my god you 're all suffering emotionally so much." And when we came, when our group came, they said, well, these are the healers. They're coming, so they're going to have much less emotional trauma and difficulty because in their culture, in the jungle, medicos are the most healed people because they do a lot of their own work. They have yeah. to heal themselves before they can heal others, you know? Yeah. So so when we came, they thought, oh, well, these people are going to be much easier to work with. They're going to have much lower levels of sisto, they called it in, in Spanish sisto. And the translator, so I don't speak Spanish, but The translators there were saying for the first three or four days, these medicals, when they were chatting in their, you know, tea break or whatever, would just talk about how much cysto there was in the group. And they just talked about this for three days. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't believe how much like we were far worse than all these other Westerners who were coming. Mm -hmm. We had higher levels of emotional and physical and mental trauma and pain and difficulty far worse. And they couldn't understand this. They're like, you guys are the healers but you're much worse than the people you're trying to help. What's going on? And I think there's two things. I think one is that we are attracted to the healing kind of professions because we have some of our own wounds and some of our own trauma. And that's fine because that can make us understand more and be more empathetic and everything. But the second thing is, is that we absorb a lot of stuff from our patients and we have, and crucially, I guess the third thing is that we don't have any way to process what we see and what and the pain that we deal with in our work because we're not taught that and we're taught literally to grit our teeth and get on with it Mm. and um I learned and I really thought about that and I feel so strongly that to be a healer versus being a doctor to be a healer we have to look at ourselves and we have to do our own personal work and we have to do our own healing so Three or four years ago, I was coming. I I would have been a competent doctor. I'd passed all my exams. I was in a good practice. I came at everything from a very logical point of view, but I hadn't looked at anything myself. So I was a doctor and it was when I started coaching with Chris and started going into my own feelings and my own pain that I became a healer. It was in that process that I became a healer. And I really feel strongly that our weakness and i I, you know i want to say that medicine is extraordinary you know my dad has a two kidney transplants i was born by emergency cesarean section because i was an obstructed labor i was stuck that's kind of another story (laughs) that's where my stuckness came from but you
0: you came um, in with the the stuff stuff to work uh, on yeah exactly
1: so i wouldn't be here and my dad wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the medical model so it is extraordinary it is a wonderful model but we are not willing to go into these painful places within ourselves and that means that we are unable to really heal that mm-hmm. is my that is my my opinion yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah this is so so you you went to peru and they were saying that f- from their perspective westerners have are on like end stage emotional heart failure because yeah. because we yeah. are so bad at or we just don't not bad we just don't make it a priority. We don't understand mm. how important it is to work on a deep level with our own emotions from a health perspective. So we are, so we're just, you know, building up to to heart failure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel like, I think there's other things going on. I mean, if you live in a tribe in the jungle with all of your family around you and a, a more simple life, you're going to be healthier. You know, you move a lot more, you don't have lots of screens, like there's lots of other reasons, but I feel that we've got ourselves into a position and I say it all the time in work, so much much ill health and pain comes from social isolation. Um, And I feel we've got ourselves into a position where we value material things and where we value, um, you know, financial security and where we value technology and logic and... um, And, you know, creating a society where we're wealthy and comfortable and all of that stuff. And we have lost in that process. And, you know, there's a lot of that stuff. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But there's in that process, we've lost so much of coming from our hearts. So we have we've prioritized our heads over our hearts hugely. And I was completely caught up in that. And I have seen it. You know, I can only speak for my own profession, but I've seen it. How transformational it is when I come from the heart, first of all. And my head is still really important in my job. you know I still need to have that logical process of looking at symptoms and coming up with diagnoses, but I'm led by my heart, and that is the huge difference. So my head has its place, but it doesn't take over, and mm. I come from a heart based place, and that is what I think that we need as as doctors and one i mean. One example, you know, I was with some some friends recently, uh, really interesting actually how, how these things kind of work out, but I was with some anaesthetist friends at the weekend.
0: Some what friends, sorry?
1: Uh, anaesthetists. So okay, these are okay. they, they do anaesthetics, so they're Got very it. much deep in the medical model of, um, you know, very technical kind of medicine. So it's a very different kind of medicine from what I do, but they were talking about somebody in their work who has now been off for one year because of the death of a patient. Um And this is the most difficult part of our job is that we make decisions that result, that can result in somebody dying. Mm. And that is really difficult to face, really, really difficult. And actually, you know, I just wanted to share that, uh, you know, I've come a long way with this stuff. Um, But yesterday I found out that a patient that I saw a few weeks ago died Um, and she actually jumped in front of a train. And I was the last yeah I was the last person to see her alive I saw her four days before she died and it was it was just one consultation and I remember the consultation so well she it, it felt like a good consultation we had plenty of time I wasn't rushed she didn't appear distressed Um, and I, I don't know you know I don't know what was going on anyway so she died and I felt, you know, I heard that yesterday and I felt, wow, oh my goodness. And of course, I feel it's natural. You know, I ran back in my head through the consultation. I went back, looked at the notes. Is there anything I could have said differently? And I wasn't sure. Maybe there is. I mean, I don't know. And I came home and I've now got this routine when I come home because my work is it's pretty intense. And I came home and I put on some live music and I danced for like five minutes, just really get the energy out of me. Mm-hmm. And then I lay on the floor and I did some restorative yoga. So I just lay on the floor and really let my body come back into the parasympathetic system of really rest and, and kind of de-stress myself. And then I did the emotional release technique that i learned from you. And I thought about this patient and I just let whatever emotions needed to come, come through. And I sat with them and I cried. And afterwards I felt, I felt grief for this patient and I felt sadness. And I also felt, you know, it it, it is what it is. It's happened. And I felt a sense of peace and I felt a sense of, you know, this is a reminder of the importance of the work that, that doctors do. And it's a serious job. And, you know, I felt, I I slept well last night. I I did another little thing this morning where I just sat with it and did a meditation and I felt I felt okay. I felt calm and I felt okay. And I think that's because I allowed the emotion to move through my body. And what we do, what I've done in the past is I've just gone, oh, my God, that's awful. And I've just gripped my teeth and and swallowed it down and not let Mm. it out. And I have seen time and time again as doctors when that means that we just can't go back to work. You know, in this case of this this friend of my friend's at the weekend and she hasn't been able to go back to work because she hasn't been able to face it. And I think we're not shown... We're we're shown how to intellectualise it and to do what we call a significant event analysis when we write everything down and this is what happened and could we have done everything differently or whatever. So it's an intellectual process, but we haven't been shown how to do that as an emotional process. And for me, with the death of that patient, there, I, I don't feel that intellectually there's anything else that i i really could have learned from it it was it just felt like you know maybe there is something i could have said differently i don't know i remember it's a good consultation i don't have any regrets but there was an emotion in there that needed to come out and it's come out and it's gone and it's and it's not stuck inside me you know Mm -hmm. creating distress so i feel we've got a lot to learn as doctors and i feel that part of the reason that we can't that I don't want to say that we can't, but that we that we haven't found a way really to look at the mind body connection in any in, in any meaningful way is because we haven't been able to do that with ourselves. And, um, you know, we <laughs> it's, it's awful, but it is it, it really is true. I think doctors are really compassionate and caring in lots of ways, but when somebody comes with what we call medically unexplained symptoms, we call those heart sink patients. And it's like our hearts sink because we feel like, oh, the medical model doesn't explain this. And we kind of blame the patient, you know? Mm-hmm. And what, what I have learned is that, uh, <laughs> It's not the patient's fault. It's the medical model doesn't work. And rather than my heart sinking, I, I have the opposite now. Like a patient comes in, and I go, "Wow, brilliant, interesting. This is going to be a really interesting consultation. What's going to emerge? You know, what can I explore? How am I going to move this? You know, what what's going to come of this? How am I going to move this patient forward?" Um, and the other thing I wanted to say about doctor versus healer is that healers, in my experience, one hundred percent believe that. Uh, a person has the ability to heal and to get better Mm -hmm. so in a healer's model it's like absolutely the human body is so resilient and it can heal from pretty much anything and when I was talking to these anaesthetist friends at the weekend they said oh no but we don't we're taught not to say that to patients we're taught to manage expectations we're taught to say you're going to die you know or you're not going to you're you're not going to get better or you're you're always going to be in pain you have to learn to manage this pain whereas i believe i really do believe that anybody has the ability to heal and i say that to people i say you can get better i'm not going to say this is going to be easy but it is entirely possible and they were quite shocked these friends that i had that opinion you know they said well that but surely that i mean that's how can you that's raising false hope or something you know and i said well imagine that you go to somebody for help with something that you have and they believe that you're not going to get better. You won't get better. I mean you just won't. If yeah. this per- if this person who's the expert and the healer doesn't believe that you can get better then you won't. So that's the other huge difference between healers and doctors I think is healers absolutely have faith in the in the ability of humans to heal and and doctors are a lot more pessimistic than that so yeah um, and I have seen patients transform you know when they've come to me and they've said everybody has told me that I'm not going to get better and I say to them well I don't believe that I think that you can and it works yeah you know I'm not saying they all miraculously get better but they definitely improve because they 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 have hope you know and they believe that wow somebody has faith in me and someone believes that I can
0: it's so, there's just so many things that are just so crazy about this. Some of it's making me angry and some of it is just making me like just, you know, shocked. But I mean, you know, I mean, uh, I'm I'm well familiar with uh, one view of the medical profession. I mean, my, my father, is, mm. uh, you know, a doctor. Was a doctor before he retired. His whole, you know his whole career. I, you know, grew. Up, I grew up hearing a lot of those stories. You know, I went, we even went to work with him a couple of times. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. I knew what he was. You know what it was from, from you know my view of him and how he talks about you know disease, disease, you know illnesses I've had and everything. And it's just crazy to me that emotions are obviously so fundamental to the human experience, but they are so not discussed. Mm-hmm. In, ter- in, in terms of health in the West, you know, it's starting to change. It's starting to change. Fortunately, with all the, you know, in the UK, you know, mental health is, is just like very, especially in the corporate world that I, you know, I'm exposed to because of my coaching work, mental health is now becoming a serious concern for a lot of companies because so many people are taking these sick days. So many people are taking these leave of absences like your friend, you know? So it's crazy to me that, emotions are obviously such a huge part of the of the human experience why would they like why would why did we ever think they they weren't connected to our physical experience you know like when did we decide to make this 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 jump that now we're you know this separation that now we're learning was a false separation you know it was like somewhere along the, somewhere because of you know maybe Newtonian physics where everything is like separate things hitting mm-hmm. each other you know like maybe the way Descart- Descartes talked about the body mm-hmm. is just like a machine,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and we're think we think the body is just just like a, a mechanical, you know, it's like yep. a clock, you mm-hmm. know, a- as opposed to a, a living ecosystem with all mm-hmm. of these influences on it, you know, including our emotional state. And it's just so it's so I'm so encouraged, you know, mm-hmm. to hear you, uh, a trained physician with patients practicing, doing some, it sounds like really challenging work with homeless people mm-hmm. and addicts and things, you know, really seeing them with this healer's perspective, you know, believing that they can get better. There's so many stories of, of people basically di- self-fulfilling diagnoses, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and I, I was watching this, uh, documentary called heal and it's, it's okay. It's pretty interesting, you know? Um, but one of the, one of these, the people in this documentary is a researcher into cancer. And she, she said, you know, something that really, something that really stuck with me, she said, for every single cancer there that we know about, there are multiple stories of radical remission and radical remission is a process where seemingly without explanation, someone, someone heals from their cancer very, very quickly, you know? And she said, she said something just is so shocking. She said, and the medical, you know, the medical industry is not studying those, Mm. you know, they're just looking at what's the next drug that can, you know, treat that can treat cancer. What's, you know, like, even, even though people die from chemotherapy, you know, just as much as they die from the cancer. Right. So the, like the, the question, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I am. I just would love more attention to be put on. Mm-hmm. Like, w- look, there is these stories out there of incredible healing experiences. You know, mm-hmm. w- let's study those. Let's figure out how those happen. Let's figure out what's going on with those. And when you look mm-hmm. at enough of those, you you find out that there is a, that there is a story of like, you know, virtually every you know, disease that we is, you know, we treat in the, in the West on a symptom level, there are people who have healed from it somehow, you know, and they, and yes, it's not like the, it's, it's like not the statistical norm, which is, which is, I think, you know, which is why many doctors are told don't, talk about that or say that because it's not like what ha- what yeah. seems to happen for the majority of people but what if if we studied that and encouraged that and believed that was possible and looked yeah. at healing from that perspective maybe it could turn into the majority of people actually you know so i think it's so encouraging to hear what you're saying i mean you know mm. but the thing that i really want you know is really present for me in this in this second is the fact that like you probably wouldn't have gotten to this place had you not gone through your own healing crisis you know what i mean had yeah. you not gone uh-huh. through your own personal crisis and it was your own personal experience that sh- that ended up showing you you know teaching you mm-hmm. ended up teaching you a whole new way of being you know mm-hmm. and a lot of us a lot of us look at our struggles as you know they're bad they're wrong we shouldn't struggle mm-hmm. in life but I and mean, we have here a story of somebody, you, who through their struggle actually ended up, in, in my view, become, being a whole nother level of powerful in terms yeah. of being able to, to work with other people and heal. And that, that, can be, that can be one of the gifts of these things we go through, these darker experiences, is that they teach us actually how to live in, on a higher level. you know? And so psychedelics, it sounds like was part of that experience for you. That was definitely part Mm -hmm. of this experience for me. And now it sounds like you said things are moving for you where you are, you're potentially going to be training to be a facilitator of Mm -hmm. healing using some plant medicine. But one thing you said that was interesting about that, you said through no sort of plan or effort of your own, you said that like, Something Hmm. somehow it's just happening. And that's, that sounds like some of that flow we're looking for in this no effort human experiment. So I would love to hear about what what you mean by this. So this this is just showing up what's happening.
1: Yeah, so it's been amazing. So what what happened was when I quit my job in November, that was a, a hugely interesting experience in itself. I came back from the jungle in July and I had this feeling of, I don't think I can do this job anymore. But somehow I it wasn't the right time to go. I can't explain it. And I just thought, OK, I just keep going. So I just kept going and work. It became more and more difficult. And then I was really in this, um, I would describe it, head-heart <laughs> battle kind of, you know. So my heart was kind of saying, I really want to leave my job. And my head was saying, well, you've got to have a plan. You know, you've got to have a plan of what you're going to do. You just can't quit. And I mean, it seems now looking back, it seems that why, why was it such a difficult thing to quit? But I think in, when you're in it and you're a doctor and you're in medicine and you've got this career, like it seems like a really big deal to walk away, even though now I'm still doing some shifts as a doctor. But this was really it was it felt like a huge deal. And my head was really resisting and it was really digging in and it was really saying, you've got to have a plan. Why don't you apply for some jobs first? Blah, blah, blah. And I just couldn't when I was in the job, I just couldn't think of a plan. You know, while I was in this old job, I just couldn't think of a plan. And I remember part of my journey has been really trusting my body, really listening to it, really listening to messages from my body. And it was getting stronger and stronger. And then I remember it just happened. I was sitting in work, a patient hadn't turned up. So I had a gap and I was sitting there and I just had this message from my body. It was like, today's the day. And I remember my head going, really? What? Are you serious? Like what? You know? Oh my God. And, and it was just really strong. And I, and I walked upstairs and I walked into my practice manager's office and I said, I quit. And he nearly fell off his chair. He was like, what, what do you mean? Like, this is so unexpected. He, and then he started saying all the stuff my head had been saying, like, you can't quit, you know, like, do you, I mean, you need some time to think about it. What are you going to do? Like, do you want to stay until you, and I, and I remember just saying, no, today's the day I'm quitting. That's it. And then I felt an enormous sense of relief. And then my head really started – I I think it was something you said in one of your podcasts about how you make these decisions and then your head kind of catches up, you know. So then my head caught up and was like, what? What are you doing? And then I remember spending about one month while I was working my my notice looking up all this different stuff. Like I'm I'm really into cycling, so I was looking up like long-distance cycle trails around the world. I could cycle the, the, you know, the Silk Road in China. I could cycle the length of Africa. I could go on these treks across America, you know, all these different things that I was looking at and nothing was, was kind of grabbing me. And I, and I've traveled so much in my life and, you know, I had some savings. I just quit my job and I thought I can do anything I want. I can do anything. You know, I don't have kids. I don't have a partner. I've got money. I've got this skill as a doctor. I can do anything. I could work anywhere in the world. And there was nothing that was that, that I felt drawn to. And I got really confused. I thought, what? but what I'm going to quit. and I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to do what, I mean, this doesn't make any sense. And in the end, okay, I want
0: to, I want to pause here for a second because this, <laughs> is, this is so cool. This is, So, you know, for everyone listening, I just want to mention, you know, this process that, you know, this is one of the things that happens to you when you start doing work with your own emotions, more deeply emotional processing Mm -hmm. is you get more sensitive to the messages Mm. you're getting on the inside because you're, you're you're taking time every day to actually feel what's going on on the inside. And once you work through a lot of your, your pain, you'll start to hear your actual true voice. So connecting with your intuition and really more deeply is one of the, you know, side effects of emotional processing. It's one of the gifts that happens when we do it. So you got this, you got a direct message from your body about today is a day and you listen to it. You know, a lot of people might get that message and they won't listen to it. So you listen to it. Your sense of relief that came afterward was a sign that you had made a decision in the direction of your truth, you know, mm. for me. Now, the fact that your head you started like, at first it was screaming at you. That's just a fear. Yes. Normal. You know, of, of course it's difficult to leave being a doctor. I mean, everybody says that's like one of the best jobs you could have. Yeah. Everybody mm-hmm. says that's what success looks like. You know what I mean? It's like, it must've been a huge identity challenge, you know, to yeah. be like, you know, mm-hmm. wait, if am I, am I, am I like, you know, am I, a lot of people looked up to me Am I, are they going to think I'm a loser now? Cause I'm leaving, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. this, you know, so of course that's going to happen. That's just our mind thinking, you know, like the trying to survive and we don't need to listen to that, you know? So anyway, you didn't, and then your mind, your, your mind started to, you started to look for things to do after you were finished and you, you couldn't find something. So you got confused. You know, I want to, I've had that confusion when I followed my intuition lots of times because the mind doesn't, can't see Like around the corner, you know, so our mind thinks I must have the answer right now for why I'm doing this. But your heart is which is connected to the universe knows like there's we're making space for the next thing to show up. We're 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 you don't need to know the answer right now, mind, you know, like there's something coming. You can't see it yet. There's something coming. So just relax Enjoy the moment, like that's you know that's my mind rarely does that, but that's what my heart is saying, you know. Mm-hmm. And then and and watch what shows up because something yeah. really cool is going to show up. So anyway, I just wanted to, yeah. you know, I mean, like this is such a cool process you're describing, and I want to make it really clear for other people out there because okay. this process is available to to everybody. Yeah. So yeah, so continue. So you were confused. Yeah, so that's, so that's absolutely
1: true. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Like my mind just couldn't work it out because it didn't know what was coming. So this is now. We're now into December in Scotland, which is kind of a challenging time of year in Scotland. It's very dark and cold. And interestingly, I have gone away for the last three Januaries because, you know, to kind of escape the winter and, you know, in GP in January, you know, the patients are all sick. Everybody's got viral infections and the doctors are all sick. It's a stressful time. So, So last January, I went to India and I did a yoga retreat. And the January before I went to... Greece to volunteer in the refugee camps in the north of Greece, and the, the the January before that, I went to Sri Lanka. So every January I'd been away. So I thought, okay, well this is the time to go away. You know, it's coming up to January. I don't have anything to do. I've got money. I've got time. So I'm going to go away. And my heart and my body were just saying no. And it was yeah, it was really confusing. And then after a real kind of battle for a couple of weeks, I I just accepted it and I thought, right, I don't know what's going on here. But I'm just going to have to go with it. So December, I, yeah, December, I did very little. I went and visited some family and friends and people were saying, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I was like, well, I don't know. I'm going to stay in Scotland in the winter people are like really why don't you go away why don't you go somewhere sunny and I was like I don't know my body's telling me to stay I don't know I'm going with it so then I came back and I had Christmas break and stuff and then I came back and it was January and I was in Scotland and I was thinking oh my god what is going on I'm so confused I don't know if this is the right thing you know and I just had the most beautiful extraordinary January of doing a little I was only working like just doing a bit of shift work like 10 hours a week I was meditating, doing yoga, running, eating really good food, getting massages, kind of connecting with friends and just had this really restorative uh, kind of healing experience of really doing very little, going inwards and just trusting and trusting this process and not knowing what was happening. And I kind of really let go and I really... Just relaxed into this. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what, what is going on. I don't know why I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just trusting it. And then somebody who I had met, I'd had a brief meeting with about three months before, that I had kind of, you know, uh, not I wouldn't say forgotten about, but you know, it's a short meeting that I'd had three months before with this um. Uh, doctor around retirement age, uh, in the city where I live. And he, uh, got in touch and he said, Do you want to come to this meeting? And I said, yeah, sure. Okay. And I turned up at this meeting and it's, you know, a group of health professionals who are interested in psychedelics. And, you know, he started talking about running retreats and who's interested in this. And we, we sat in this meeting and we did a short meditation at the start and we shared about our experiences and. It felt really good, and I'd not met these people before, but I really connected with them, and it felt like a really, um, yeah, just felt I felt really comfortable. I felt yeah, these are these are people I want to get to know better. Get, get to get to know better. And since then, with really no effort on, on my part, we've now arranged a number of retreats in Holland. Um, I'm going to uh, a conference in April, and um, to learn about psychedelics and about facilitation. Uh, I've just started a course, an online course called Compassionate Inquiry, which is about uh, inquiring into ourselves and about therapy and about doing deeper work with ourselves and with groups. Um, And I, you know, in January, I'd started doing wild swimming with a group and I started playing music with a group. Suddenly all these groups appeared in my life. I was like, wow, this is interesting. A lot of my journey had been about being alone and kind of isolation. Suddenly all these groups appeared Suddenly I was doing this training that was going to help me to facilitate groups. And then suddenly this group appeared that, that, that I was going to learn how to facilitate psychedelics with. So all of a sudden from January, from not having a clue what was going on and why I was still sort of in my head, stuck in, in my old life and this place and not traveling and not going away. Suddenly within weeks, all of this new stuff emerged that kind of felt like it had come from nowhere and that people were just saying, Hey, do you want to do this? Hey, do you want to do that? And it all felt good. And I said, yes. And and it's just all started to emerge. And suddenly I can see a whole new path opening up that I could never have anticipated. I could never have thought it through. My mind could never have logically worked this out. And I had to, and what I had to do was have the space and the trust and now I'm excited now I'm really excited and I don't know what's going to happen next but it feels like there's a whole other world that's emerging in something with group work and facilitation and with um with psychedelics and for me uh you know part of my healing has been about connecting to people around me I've always felt very disconnected from myself and from and from my environment and my community and And from connecting to myself, that's where the connection had to start, was to myself. And part of me, you know, being the geographical and going around in my 20s, trying to find new jobs and new communities and new places to live, was feeling a a disconnection. And it's since I had this deep, I took the time in December and January to really deeply connect to my inner world and to myself, I suddenly feel hugely connected to people around me and I'm suddenly part of loads of these new communities that I'm really enjoying and that I feel really strongly linked to and um, you know part of this work part of the psychedelics work I'm going to do with my sister and you know I'm very close with her and our journey she's been on a journey as well and um, that was one of my intentions was to kind of you know be more close to her and to be more involved in her life because she lives in in Ireland and I live in Scotland. Suddenly now we're going away on all these trainings to Holland this year together and it's just this whole new life that I couldn't even have imagined has started to emerge and it feels like out of nowhere and I'm just floating along with it and 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 it fe- and it's this flow that I just never thought was possible, actually. And I, I was reading a book this week by someone called A.H. Almas. He's like a spiritual teacher. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's amazing. But he something jumped out at me in that. And it, it talked about the difference between being passive and being active. Because I think this is something in flow that people think, oh, well, I just like. Because this is what I used to think. Well, I just lie back. And then what happens? Like, I just don't yeah. do anything. I mean, that seems ridiculous. Like, well, I'm just then I'm just. Subject it to to things outside of myself, and I don't have any control. And he talks about he talks about actively being passive to your experience. So actively being passive. So being passive is an active experience. And for me, that has meant that I haven't just kind of sat back and going, oh well, I'm not going anywhere. I'll just sit here and do nothing. I was, but that that not going anywhere, not leaving, not going traveling you could say as a passive thing, but it felt like a very active process because I was actively physically active. I was actively sort of meditating. I was actively reading. I was actively like looking into myself, looking at blockages, like learning about this whole experience of my mind, catching up with my body, actively learning about what it means to follow my intuition and my heart. Like it felt, even though I was, I was in one place, in my flat, as usual, not going anywhere. It felt like a really active process. And when I read that, I thought, yeah, that's what flow is. It's actively being passive. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. No, absolutely. <laughs> you know, your brain, our brain says like, well, active means I go on a trip, but yes, exactly. you know, that's just yeah. the brain's interpretation and a definition. Like sitting still in a room can actually be one of the hardest things for most people. So, I mean, mm. if you were to just sit still in a room and feel everything going on inside of you, that's an incredibly active process, you know? <laughs> and it's, a lot of people get, a lot of people think that surrender, you know, being in flow, <laughs> yeah, is just, you basically lie on the floor and, you know, you let, like, life just stamp on you or whatever. You know, this is like, it's couldn't be it couldn't be anything farther from that. You know, it's just, you're not trying to you you surrendered to the to the feelings you had inside you surrendered to what you knew was was truth and that surrender was telling you to do certain things it was saying stay here give yourself space give yourself time you know and your brain is saying no we have to fill this time with something because that's what we learned growing up in the west we got to fill every moment with something we get you know we got to like be doing 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 but with the time and with the space now you start all of a sudden things start new things start showing up in your life. You gave, you gave the room for that to happen. And, you know, from a, from an outsider and what, and I hear that, like, that so much of your experience early on in your life was about being alone and feeling alone. Hmm. And then you had this big experience with ayahuasca where you, where you dissolved that hard rock around your (laughs) heart. And in that moment, you told me in that, in that experience, after that dissolved, and exploded, you felt your connection to everything. You mm. suddenly felt connected to everything. And now, now your life sometime later is starting to mirror that Absolutely. experience. Now your life is showing you, yeah, you are connected to everything. Look, people are just going to reach out to you and say, hey, do you want to come to a meeting? This You're going to go in, and be part of a group that's going to invite you into mm. a new type of experience because that's what happens in life because connections and relationships, that's how – everything gets created. So, Mm -hmm. you know, your life start, once you, once you let go of this, the unconscious, you know, stuckness around you having to like fight, grit your teeth and be alone. You, when you heal that inside yourself, life started to show you a mirror of, Mm -hmm. of like, of the connectedness that now was available to you on the inside. You know, this this is one one way to look at it from my perspective. I don't know if you see see it similarly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I've got this lovely example that just made me laugh about uh, about trying to and this for me. So for me, I've really moved from my old story of stuckness to this new story of flow. And when I look back at how I was when I was stuck and how I made decisions, it just it's so funny. So I I remember about when I first moved to this area, I was trying to find a yoga class. So I was trying to find a yoga class that, you know, the kind of yoga that I would enjoy that was at the the time when I was free and that, you know, was convenient to where I live. And I remember making the decision, which is how I always used to try and make decisions so I wrote down I mean I'm in quite an urban area and there's about five or six or maybe seven or eight different places that do yoga in this area so I wrote down all of these places and I looked up all of the websites yeah. and I wrote down all the days of the week across the top and I wrote down all the classes under each and I looked at all the times and then I looked at my timetable and then I tried to figure out which class when da, 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 da. and it didn't really work because it was too complicated and I would go to one class and then actually that didn't quite work. And then I would try another one and then the times would change or my my schedule would change or whatever. And it was a really complicated, difficult way of trying to um, come up with something simple, like I want to do a yoga class. So then about a month ago, Again, I was in the same position. I was looking for a yoga class and I thought, you know what, I can't go through all of that, trying to find, you know, uh, making lists and all that. I'm just going to leave it and I'm just going to see what happens. And part of my journey has really been about finding my voice and about uh, kind of speaking my truth. And I think a lot of my jaw tension was also about being afraid to speak and kind of clenching my teeth and So I've been working on that a lot and I've started singing and I've started speaking up more and I've started doing lots of things to do with my voice. And, you know, of course, in correlation with that, my jaw started to loosen a lot. So I was cycling into town to go and visit a friend and someone, a man with a camera stepped out and a microphone stepped out onto the road and he stopped me and he said, can I ask you a question? And normally I hate being in front of the camera and I hate talking. And I thought, well, you know, this is about me expressing myself and standing up and finding my foot. Yeah. And I said, yeah. And it was about, he asked me a question about should city centers be pedestrianized? Mm. And I, and I sort of, you know, I thought, okay, I feel a bit nervous about this, but you know, I could connect, open my heart, do it. So I looked straight into the camera and I took a deep breath and, you know, I opened my heart and I just said something that I can't remember. Something about, yes, of course, and about air pollution and about cycling being healthier and about how, you know, cycling's great and blah, blah, blah. So I said this thing, whatever it was, and I didn't think much more about it. And I cycled to my friend. And then two days later, I get a text from a woman who's this really lovely woman who I've only met twice. So I'm not friends with her she's a psychologist and we'd met twice over coffee and just had interesting conversations about psychology and medicine and health and stuff and I hadn't seen her for about six months and she wrote me this text and she said I saw you on the evening news the local (laughs) evening news talking about cycling and you came into my head and I thought oh my goodness and there's this new yoga class that's starting tomorrow that I thought you would really love and it's with a teacher that I actually have worked with before and she's amazing and She's a great body worker and the first class was starting the following day and it was a time that suited me perfectly and it was a yoga studio that I was familiar with. It was just around the corner and it was a 10-week course that was starting with a group of these lovely people. So this is another group and we now do this yoga and it's amazing and it's about strengthening and it's a kind of yoga that I've never done before and we all go for breakfast afterwards and it's this really lovely group. And I just sat back and I just thought, wow, I could never... Have, I mean, I just laughed. I could yeah. never have planned that. I mean, that yeah. is like crazy. That yeah. is that is crazy that I I I appear in the local news and somebody sees me and then hooks me up with this incredible yoga class, you know? And that was me coming from my heart and going with flow versus the old way, which was so involved more activity and kind of planning in my head, but which didn't even work, you know? And my mind, I mean, I couldn't even have, invented
0: that if I tried, you mm-hmm. know? Oh my God. I've chills again. You're so, <laughs> you're so in the flow right now. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Oh, this is, I love hearing these stories. You know, this, this is what I just, I just know that life can be like this, you know, oh, where you're yeah. just opening your heart, you're letting things go. You're not, you know, squeezing and trying and your brain, you're like, and, and life is supporting you you know, and life is matching what's in your heart and showing you what you're looking for. And you're not struggling and pushing and fighting, you know, so we learn so much that we have to struggle and push and fight, but it's so much easier to just to surrender and the, and the things show up logistically. It's so much easier to, I mean, your decision-making story was such a good example of all the logistical hoops we jump through trying to figure stuff out with our mind, you know, all the energy, mental space and time and calculations it takes to, for our mind. Meanwhile, the, the solution that suits you best, your mind couldn't have even known, you know, yeah, your mind yeah. couldn't have even come up with. So it's like, why are we even trying, you know, like the, the mind is a beautiful tool for very specific, you know, tasks, but in terms yeah. of like finding what feels the best for us in our life, it's our heart and our mm-hmm. openness and our surrender that works best for me, and, and you have so many stories of actually yeah, that's what's absolutely. happening for you.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so my sister is, you know, similarly. She follows your podcast, and and you know, so we have this game that we do where we we leave WhatsApp. You know, you can leave WhatsApp voice messages. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love so, that. So, WhatsApp so, voice so, messages. My friends, yeah. probably, you know. All the time, I'm like, I'm just sometimes I'll just I'm yeah, speaking yeah. for like ten minutes to a friend. and I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's up. <laughs> Times yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I, I so, but obviously I like talking. Anyways, please. Yeah,
1: talking. no. So I used to I used to hate it. You know, I used to hate the phone. I used to find it awkward and difficult. And now I just love it. And now I'm always sending these little voice messages. And it's much easier than typing as well. You know, I really yeah. I really like it. So, so when that happened, me and my sister started this. So I would record this voice voice message for her, and it would be no effort, human. <laughs> update and then I would do yes. guess what happened guess what happened there was this yoga class and you know she saw me in the evening news and she phoned me up and now I'm in this yoga class and it's amazing and then we'd finish off finish off the message no effort human <laughs> and then so me and my sister started doing this it's amazing because <laughs> yes. she so she's just trained to be a hand-in-hand parenting instructor so she's the mom of two beautiful my niece and nephew and she's done this year training and she was wondering oh you know I wonder how I can kind of run these courses and and attract people to you know train with me and and then you know she was talking to somebody about it a week after she finished her course and then two people turned up who were really interested and then all of a sudden she just did this group of people and she's made no effort and you know so then she records that and sends that to me and then something happens to me the next week where you know I run into somebody who's like oh yeah I'm into this and then invites me to this and you know it's just all kind of unfolds so so we started recording these and sending them to each other. And it was so funny because it kind of was, it was just funny, you know, just doing the ship at voice was funny. And then also. <laughs> I love
0: that you, also have, just... <laughs> you have the Noah for human robot in your.
1: And then we would, you know, it was like when you notice these little things that happen and it feels easy, it almost reinforces the flow because then yes. you say, Oh yeah, I'm in flow. And then what I find is when something feels really clunky and difficult, and like I'm starting to push, I just back off and I go. Do you know what? I'm not. I, I'm not doing that. It doesn't. That doesn't feel like a good way to do things. Mm. So it me. It means that I follow. I guess it's a reinforcing. It's. It's like. I don't know. There's a thing in medicine, confirmation bias. So there's probably a bit of confirmation bias where you follow what confirms that what you're doing. So I'm kind of following flow, and then that that kind of confirms, oh yeah, I'm in a state of flow, and then I flow more, and then it then it feeds in. You know, you've got this like kind of virtuous cycle. It's it's you know self fulfilling, whatever. And then um you know and then if something and then I head down a, a path and suddenly that feels really stuck. And that feels like, oh, and that feels like I'm really starting to have to figure things out with my head. And I think, no, that's no, that, that's not that doesn't feel right. So it means that for me, the experience is like maybe going down little cul-de-sacs and getting stuck and going, oh, that's OK. And just coming out and then and then floating off again and, and in the right direction. And I think before I'd say, let's say i stuck in my old life when I would make decisions, I would make a decision and then I would push. Mm-hmm. And no matter what. Got in the way. I would just force and push and push and push, and it was a very kind of black and white way of doing things. It was like I'm going to do this, even if it feels wrong, even if it feels difficult. Actually, difficult was good because difficult means that you're really trying and that you're really having to make effort, and that's brilliant. And but it would be so exhausting. And yes. And and this way feels more like a kind of a, a leaning into things. And I lean into something, and oh, that feels a bit sticky and a bit no that doesn't feel very good okay let me lean away from that and let me lean into this oh this seems easy this is flowing right let me go in that direction so it's not so again that's an active process because it's not just sitting back waiting for stuff to happen it's actively exploring for me anyway it's actively exploring different avenues but if those avenues feel like like stuck, like it's being stuck in a ditch or you know like it's 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 a lot of effort then okay fine i'm not going to go that way so it's still trying out things but it's just being much more flexible about what i pursue if it doesn't feel right then i don't do it yeah
0: Yeah. this is this is beautiful this is beautiful that that virtuous loop you know that that's something that's like an absolutely useful tool because we we we're in our unconscious loops anyway like we we can be in a very unconscious negative loop anyway, you know, where mm-hmm. we don't believe something can happen and, or we, you know, a confirmation bias works, you know, in all of us, it's like, you think someone's a jerk and then, you know, they, they say a hundred, they say 10 things. One of them was kind of jerky and that's the one your brain remembers, you know, yeah. and then your brain yeah. says, Oh, see, that person's a jerk. Yeah. But you mm-hmm. just ignored Nine things they said. You just remembered the one thing that confirmed what you already thought about it. So we have these going on all the time for our for our limiting beliefs. You know the things that make us feel shitty, but you know to ha- to get into a loop with something that feels good. I feel like that's that's such like a, that's like a holy grail of personal development. You know, and mm-hmm. it's so great that you can share this with your sister. And every time you take you take a minute to notice, oh my gosh, here's how flow happened in my day today. You. You believe and notice more and more that that's possible. Mm, so yeah. it may, so it makes it more real. Then you trust it more. Then you're able to be. Then you're able to be it more. And then it's going to show up for you more and more and more. So I really, I think that's a that's an amazing practice. I mean, one of the you know, it reminds me kind of like a gratitude practice. And having a gratitude practice where every day you write down or say out loud three things you're really grateful for and you actually feel that gratitude inside of you. You know, that's one of the few things that positive psychology has shown actually uh, increases someone's happiness pretty quickly over time. You know, having a consistent gratitude practice. I feel like this practice you have with your sister is just a great tip for people. You know, find somebody that you can you can have a discussion with about, you know, here's how thing here's something in my, in my day that actually f- just flowed perfectly without effort. It just, this seemed to just work. Things seemed to click, you know, this, this opportunity just showed up or, or like this thing I was looking for without me searching for it. Cause I kind of forgot about it just showed up in my life, you know? So this kind of, that's a great, a great tip. And I love that you guys share that. And of course my, one of my favorite parts is that the Noah for human robot is involved. Boy. Cause <laughs> I like that robot. (laughs) I, I, I'm so inspired by this story and by everything you're doing. I mean, the work that you're doing is so important. People are coming to you for help, you know, because of these physical issues and you're looking deeper. You're not willing to, you know, take the traditional explanation, you know, Western explanation. You're actually, what, what, where's the healing route on this? And now you're getting de- you're getting more and more deeper into that work with, uh, this going toward being a facilitator with psychedelics in Holland where, you know, some of these psychedelics are, are actually, they're actually, because they're legal there, they're being studied. We're learning how, how useful they can be for certain situations for certain people. So, I mean, I, I hope, you know, I hope you're going to write a book about all this. I mean, you have so much to teach people from your direct experience. You talk about it so eloquently and fluently, you know, I mean, I feel like, I feel like, you know, I'm out of a job. I'm done. You know, let's just, like, I should just refer people to, you, now, you know, when they come. I don't, can people, can people find you? Like, do you have a website yet where, you're, you know, Hello. you're no. Okay. All right. Well, you guys, everybody out there, I know the people listening to this are going to be like, I want to work with this person. So you're going to have to wait. You know, and next time when um, Ashlyn gets her, you know, her website set up and uh, she's taking clients, she's she's hosting her retreats and everything. I'm gonna have her back on the show, and yeah, you, and um, then uh, you can tell everybody where to find you, and you can tell everybody give us the update on how flow you know happened since since today. Yeah,
1: exactly. I know human effort update. Um, yes. Yeah. So I, you know, I feel like, well, thank you so much. What you said is really kind. I feel part of what I'm, is bubbling in my head is that I do want to stay in the medical profession because I feel the medical profession needs people like me. Um, And I, but I also feel that I'm finding it really difficult to be in this system that doesn't acknowledge emotions and mind-body connection, or, or doesn't certainly acknowledge it anywhere near enough. And part of what I've, thought in the last while is that you know I if I'm going to stay what I'd love to do is set up my own practice my own medical practice Um, and rather than saying to people okay you know here's some here's some medication for your problem you know I would love to say okay book in with David next week and you'll do an emotional processing you know process you learn how to do that and that's how you move emotions through your body you know or go and see this body worker who will help you you know, find these areas of not these knots and tension and release that, or you know, go and see this therapist who can talk to you about your childhood and and where these unconscious patterns are coming from. So, you know, I would love to have a medical practice that has different that uses different modalities than the ones that we currently use, and some of the same. You know, I'm not throwing out the whole medical model, but we'll explore different you know ways of working to help people shift stuff in their life and in their so that's that's something on the horizon. So who knows if that will happen? If it if it does happen, it will be no effort. So <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I think that's
0: so so needed and so beautiful. And yeah. and you know, but I'm not going to tell you like, yeah, you can totally do it. Go go go! Crush your goals. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to tell you that. I'm gonna. I, I think it's so perfect that you are. You know, it's out there. This is what it's feels. Right. This feels good. Let's yeah. see if it moves to that, let's see what happens. And if it, if it happens through that natural organic flow movement, you know, that it's, it's perfect. You know, that it's going to be the right thing. So I think, I think I'm just, I'm so happy to hear everything you told me today. I mean, this is like one of the best, you know, I think this is possibly the most important episode that I've done so far. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ashley, for joining me. I I mean, uh, you know, I can't wait to have you on again to tell people where they can find you, uh, when you start, you know, offering this work, um, well, whatever happens, you know, whatever happens, you just mm. got to come again and give us the update and I want to come to one of your retreats when you start doing yeah, it, when, you know, yeah, try this definitely.
1: out. Yeah. Next yeah. year. Start Great. next year great thank you so much David
0: (laughs) yeah well that's it everybody I hope you enjoyed that that was that was uh, amazing I feel like my whole day week maybe month maybe year is going to be different after having that conversation so uh, you know stay in touch with uh, No Effort Human to get the updates on Ashling later you can find me at davidpapa.live to get more of this content and you can uh, support this by subscribing and getting more in touch with my work And learn these kind of tools that we've been talking about today that really help you unlock yourself and get in the flow with emotional processing, learning how to get out of your own mind, basically learning how to be more in communication with the universe and the harmony that's there for all of us. So until next time, everybody, good luck being a no effort human. No effort human.